You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. News? Where we're going, we don't need news. Except for today, we have a lot of news that we need to go over, so we'll uh, get started on that. We'll start it off with the biggest news of the last week. The defensive end of the Houston Texans, who was released, J.J. Watt. He decides to sign with the Cardinals. So the Arizona Cardinals are getting J.J. Watt services, making about $15 million a year, which is insane. I like J.J. Watt. He just isn't that uh, defensive player of the year anymore that he was. And to me, he's kind of more of a rotational guy that uh, could really go in there and disrupt uh, on passing downs. But, you know, good for the Cardinals. Of course, you know, J.J.'s going to go where he's getting paid the most, and Cardinals were willing to give him the dollars that he feels like he deserves. And this is a great signing by the Cardinals because, you know, defensively, they need to shore up their defense a little bit. They have some pieces, and, you know, like Simmons, they drafted last year. I didn't think they knew how to use him very well. And I'm hoping that they maybe do a better job of scheming with Simmons to, you know, use him to his full abilities. And then adding these other pieces around that defense is, yeah, going to make him uh, formidable. And it's really going to help out that offense where, you know, they they kind of faded down the stretch. So, good signing by the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Texans will stay on the Texans since this is kind of related. Texans released running back Duke Johnson. Uh, This was another Bill O'Brien signing or trade that didn't work out. Man, Bill O'Brien just has his handprints over a lot of bad things, (laughs) for you know, personnel-wise for the Texans. Duke Johnson uh, didn't want to compete in Cleveland. They had a bunch of running backs, so he demanded a trade. Texans traded for him, and he was a good receiving back. Kind of took away some of the receiving uh, volume from David Johnson. But, you know, David Johnson was hurt for a little bit. Duke Johnson stepped in and really didn't do much. Really, Duke Johnson's just a, you know, a running back by committee type back where he's like the second piece where, you know, he can throw him some passes, he can do some good things, but really not, uh, you know, a number one or or effective runner that you want uh, in your backfield most of the game. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I don't think he has any fantasy value. Texans also release offensive lineman Nick Martin. And he was pretty good. And uh, obviously this was a cap casualty. They needed to lower their cap hit. But uh, Nick Martin still got some good football left in him. So he's going to go somewhere and be a a key piece to uh, an NFL team somewhere. So this was kind of a big blow for the Texans offensive line. Which, to be honest, wasn't that great anyways. Um, So you're wondering what the Houston Texans are going to do. Uh, In this draft, if I was them, I'd definitely start working on that offensive line because that's really holding back their offense and, and you know Deshaun Watson's probably not going to be back but if he is you really need to put guys in to protect him because he's been getting kind of beat up the last couple of years um Seahawks QB Russell Wilson 
his agent released a list of teams that he would agree to be traded to. So it's almost like, we're not asking for a trade, but if you did trade us, this is where we would w- be willing to go. Um, I just, you know, I think Russell Wilson's unhappy with the direction of the offense. He doesn't run, want to run the ball all the time. He feels like he can carry the load. And he kind of showed that he could have earlier in the year. It's almost like when they decided to try to run the ball more, their offense wasn't as effective. And then at the end of the year, you're like, okay, well, it showed that they needed to use Russell Wilson more. And they're like, no, we need to run the ball more. That was our issue. We, we need to run the ball. We're depending on our pass too much. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with, with the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, Russell Wilson is, is a good quarterback. And when you have a good quarterback, you need to let him do his thing. But, uh, you know, we'll see how the situation plays out. I obviously think Russell Wilson will stay there. He's not going to go anywhere. But uh, I, I think, you know, this could be a situation where he's not going to be too happy. Um, by the way, the teams that were listed that he wanted to be traded to are the Bears, Jets, Dolphins, and Cowboys. Obviously, all those teams are pretty big markets. And um, it, it makes sense why you We'd want to go there for branding purposes. Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins agrees to a two-year, $54.5 million extension. That's a great deal. DeAndre Hopkins is the number one receiver with uh, Fitzgerald retiring. He's, you know, uh, he's really the guy there, and he's going to get all the targets and just continue to be the guy that, you know, the number one receiver that he is. So Cardinals really needed to do this, and it really helps their offense. So not much more to say on that, especially now that, uh, you know, imagine being the Texans, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt, two of your best players, uh, you know, go to the Cardinals. So if you're the Cardinals, you're a huge Houston Texan fan because they keep giving you all their best players and uh, it's going to make you competitive in your division. And if you're the Houston Texans, you hate the Arizona Cardinals. And it's just, it's funny because, you know, all their best players on the Texans are gone, and then the one that is there wants to be out and is trying to, you know, force his way out, you know, off the team. So it's, it will be interesting to watch. Now this one is kind of funny. Ravens wide receiver Des Bryant uh, didn't like the fit in their offense. He wants to go somewhere else. He's thankful for the opportunity, but it's like, you know, they're the only ones that gave you a chance. But then you don't get the ball, which you you won't in the Ravens offense. Like, any receiver going to the Ravens, no, you're not going to get the ball. They're not going to pass it to you. So I, I think, you know, if you're an agent, the Ravens, if, if you have a, a guy that's a receiver that really wants to get the ball, you don't send him there because you know he's not going to get it. It's kind of like the hype with Hollywood Brown. He, you know, oh, you could really have a top 10 year, and he's not going to. He plays for the Ravens. It just doesn't happen. So that was a correct call that I made early, you know, before the season, and it's based off of history. That's just not part of the Ravens' offense. So the fact that Des Bryant was upset he didn't get the ball or, or a lot of passes, it's like, well, that's kind of what you should have expected being there. And, you know, they're the only ones to give you a chance, so maybe you should be a little more thankful in that regard because is there going to be another team out there that's going to give you a chance? We'll see how that works out. You know, I like Des. Uh, I think he's a good talent. It's great to see him work his way back to an NFL team. But... You know, it's like, this was your, you know, this team gave you your opportunity. Is there another team around that's going to give you an opportunity? That's something we'll have to, to find out. Uh, another uh, older receiver that's been on many teams, 
Eagles release wide receiver Deshaun Jackson. This was a salary cap move, and you're going to see a lot of this going on because so many teams are over the cap. They're going to have to cut really good players. Deshaun Jackson's been hurt, though, and I think that contributed to to it. It's like, you know, you're not on the field playing, so why not give the money to someone who's on the field at least? He's a great talent. Uh, I think the Eagles will miss him, but at the same time, they were already missing him because he wasn't playing because of his injuries. Um, and there'll be more, I think there'll be more cuts by the Eagles, uh, to be honest. The Vikings released tight end Kyle Rudolph. This was a move that was you knew was going to happen. Rudolph still wants to be the guy. He still wants all the passes at tight end and wants to be the number one. Irv Smith really proved something last year, and I think they really want to move towards him as their number one tight end. Kai Rudolph wasn't having it, so they released him. This is great news for fantasy owners. You know, you need to pay attention when it's draft time. Irv Smith is going to get a lot of volume in that offense at tight end. He's going to basically look like Kyle Rudolph, you know, early in his career when Rudolph was really taken off. Uh, I think Irv Smith is actually going to get more volume than that. So he's someone intriguing and interesting that you can get at a bargain in the draft next year. But great news for Irv Smith. He's the guy. Kai Rudolph, uh, you know, I still think he has some value depending on where he goes. But uh, I think his days of being the number one guy are, are kind of behind him. Dolphins released linebacker Kyle Van Noy. The reason why that's pretty uh, newsworthy is because it's one year after he signed this big contract. From, you know, he went to the Patriots, to the Dolphins, signed that big contract, and then it's a year later. And they're like, sorry, we've got to get under the salary cap, you're cut. And that's what I mean. There's going to be more teams like that that are cutting really good players with you know big contracts because they need to stay under the salary cap. It's unfortunate, but uh, you know I, I think it'll just be a matter of time before Kyle Van Noy finds another team willing to uh, use his services because he's he's a solid outside linebacker. Uh, Saints released both their tight ends, Jared Cook and Josh Hill. So. You know, that's obviously for salary cap moves. Saints are one of the teams that are really struggling with the salary cap. They need to be way under. And this is great news for Adam Troutman. Adam Troutman is actually ready to be the number one tight end. But, you know, you're behind some decent tight ends. And, and, you know, Taysom Hill played some tight end too. So it really kind of phased out Adam Troutman. But when he had some opportunities, he looked good. He had some uh, seam catches where he was able to get some big gains. And I'm really liking Troutman this year as well. He's almost like Irv Smith, you know. Cook's out of the way. Josh Hill's not there. Troutman's going to be it. Besides Taysom Hill, uh, unless Taysom Hill ends up playing quarterback because of Drew Brees' retirement, uh, Troutman's going to be a really good tight end to draft on your team and and seeing what you have with him. He could be a a top tight end in this offense. So uh, definitely newsworthy in that regard. And Jared Cook's a, a decent tight end, so he can go somewhere and, and be a valuable piece. So it's definitely worth monitoring where he ends up. And Josh Hill's always just been a guy. Like, you know, he'll be on a team somewhere, but he, he won't have any relevance fantasy football-wise. Wide receiver Golden Tate was released by the Giants. You knew that was coming. He kind of forced his way out by, you know, how disgruntled he was during the season. Then he tried to retract. But uh, writing was kind of on the wall then, and uh, Golden Tate will be somewhere else. And, you know, he was hurt quite a bit last year. So I I think if he's able to show he's not, uh, you know, he's able to recover from those injuries, uh, he could be a valuable piece somewhere at, like, you know, the slot position. And, uh, you know, if Washington doesn't end up getting a slot receiver, maybe he goes there because Steven Sims wasn't able to uh, do as well as what I thought he would. 
Uh, of course, you also need a quarterback in Washington, so we'll see how that uh, plays out. And uh, speaking of Washington football team, since we're talking about him, they released QB Alex Smith. This is huge because he was like the comeback player of the year. Everyone was really excited for him, especially after that documentary of him almost dying and losing his leg and uh, pretty severe stuff. And, you know, it was scary. It was scary to watch him play. It's like every player, like, please don't hurt that leg. Don't hit that leg, you know. Um, But he ended up surviving the whole season, and he actually was the one quarterback that was able to make the Washington football team look like a solid football team. You know, he was able to manage the game, not have a lot of turnovers and uh, really that's when uh, when he was under center that's when the Washington football team looked at their best but uh, I think they're ready to move on with their quarterback situation they want a young stud that they're going to groom um, after cutting ties with the Dwayne Haskins experiment that uh, was a utter failure so we'll see what they'll do here I, I, I think they might trade up to draft somebody or sit still and draft somebody but regardless they're going to get somebody and, you know, they have Heineke uh, re-signed as the backup. And, uh, yeah, they just need that number one. And it won't surprise me if it's going to be a rookie that they draft in the first round. Um, wide receiver Tyrell Williams signs with the Lions for one year. And this is a really good deal. I mean, it's one year, kind of prove, uh, prove it or lose it kind of contract. Um, Tyrell Williams was a really good threat for the Chargers from the slot, from really anywhere. He was like that third receiver. And he, he went to the Raiders to kind of do the same thing. And then he got hurt. And he's been hurt on the Raiders, so he wasn't able to be very productive. So if the Lions can get that magic that he had from the Chargers, this is a great signing. And Tyrell Williams could be fantasy relevant, depending on what the Lions decide to do. I actually think the Lions will draft a uh, wide receiver in the first round. Uh, it's either that or quarterback, but I think it's going to be a wide receiver uh, just because they need some playmakers around Jared Goff but they're also focused in on the run so they're going to be a running team so it's not going to look like the Detroit Lions of old but uh, having Tyrell Williams to help stretch the field really opens up the running game so I think this is a signing makes sense and it's a low risk low cost signing and it's a, it's a good move by the Lions Titans release wide receiver Adam Humphreys I mean this is a no-brainer I mean they needed to shed some salary Adams Humphrey was making a ton of money to sit in the uh, the ice tub, being injured as much as he was. And uh, then he came back and then got hurt right away. <laughs> so Humphrey's had some magic in, you know, for the Buccaneers being that uh, slot receiver. And I think he can continue to do that, but he really just needs to get over these injuries. So if, if the team's going to sign him, you know, I, they got to make sure he's over these injuries and maybe he'll be an effective piece. He was fun to watch for the Buccaneers, but this uh, the signing by the Titans has been a disaster. You paid him all that money for him just to be hurt, and uh, availability is a key component in the NFL, as uh, you know, Mike Tomlin would always say. Availability is, uh, what was it, is is an ability, um, which means they appreciate guys that are able to stay on the field. Um. What is next? Uh, the Saints, they re-signed running back Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery, you know, he played at the end of the year because of injuries, and he looked good. He's a good running back. And I think, you know, he can, he's a good receiver, obviously, because he, he was a wide receiver. He was drafted as a wide receiver for the Packers before he moved to running back. And this is a good signing. You know, if Alvin Kamara gets hurt, 
uh, Ty Montgomery is a good plug-in player. Obviously, isn't as dynamic, but uh, is pretty solid and can produce. So, good depth signing by the Saints, but it doesn't cost them anything. Bill signed safety Micah Hyde to a two-year extension. No-brainer. You know, we, we talked a lot about uh, this on this podcast, and I'll probably be talking about it more. But they have a lot of pieces on the Bills' defense that they should be a top-tier defense. So as bad as they played last year, I was really expecting better things from them. They, you know, they have all the names and guys that are really good on defense. Just uh, they weren't able to put it together as a team. But Micah Hyde was part of that defense, really held the back end together, really good safety, and this is a good signing by the Bills to keep him in Buffalo. And then the Broncos placed the franchise tag on safety Justin Simmons. Great move for the Broncos. You know, they're probably uh, potentially moving on from Von Miller with how much money he's making. So they they need to keep some of that defense intact to, you know, try to help the offense along to see if the offense can figure it out. And Justin Simmons was a big part of that defense. You know, if their offense is able to produce, like we thought they might have been able to last year, the it's going to really help out the defense. And the Broncos' defense isn't that bad. They've had a lot of injuries at cornerback and really everywhere. And uh, if they're able to get a middle linebacker, you still have Justin Simmons on that back end on the franchise tag. This could be a really dangerous defense that, uh, with less use than they had last year, could be a top-five defense. So I really think this is a great move, keeping Justin Simmons. And this is yeah, just a sign of things to come. It's the 2020 running back review. Let's get started. Now let's get it started on our running back review. We'll uh, review how the running backs did on the 2020 season. Last week we did number 30 through 16. This week we'll finish it off by going 15 through 1. And there's, you know, did they meet expectations? Did they not meet expectations? We'll start off at number 15. And this person definitely went way above expectations, but mostly it was because of an injury. This is Mike Davis from the Panthers. He had 165 rushes for 642 yards, six touchdowns, and he was targeted 70 times, had 59 receptions for 373 yards and a couple touchdowns. So, I mean, I think the big thing with Mike Davis is, you you know, he came in the top 15, which is great for running back, but Christian McCaffrey got hurt pretty early in the year, and... Mike Davis had a lot more opportunity than I think, you know, he started off really strong where it's like, man, maybe it's just the running back. You know, there's, there's not that much of a drop off between Mike Davis and Christian McCaffrey, but as the season kind of wound down, you can, you know, you start definitely noticing that uh, Christian McCaffrey's just on another level that Mike Davis isn't able to meet. And he had some duds and then it was like the rumor that Christian McCaffrey might be back. And uh, then he did come back and then was hurt again. So, uh, it was kind of one of those things where if you were a Mike Davis owner, you always had that in the back of your mind that, you know, any minute now, McCaffrey's going to uh, come back and uh, make Mike Davis irrelevant. But uh, he hung in there and had a top 15 performance this year, so good on him. And, you, you know, you're wondering where he might go this year because he's going to be a free agent. And uh, it's definitely, I don't think he's going to have a top 15 performance no matter where he goes because he's just going to be a depth piece for somebody or you know, part of a committee, but, uh, yeah, 
good good year for him. Uh, number 14, we have Melvin Gordon the third from the Broncos. He had 215 rushes for 986 yards, nine touchdowns on the ground. Also, you know, in the passing game, wasn't used as much. Only had 44 targets for 32 catches, 158 yards, and one touchdown. So, I mean, for all those receptions, I thought that maybe they'd get a few more yards than 158 and the one touchdown. But uh, Melvin Gordon, you know, he does most of his damage in the uh, rushing game and the volume he gets there. And the Broncos were just kind of a really inconsistent team. They, they couldn't pass the ball until the very, like the fourth quarter, most games and teams were really able to stack the box against the Broncos and try to force them to pass. So I really think that kind of, you know, I, I think Melvin Gordon under certain like normal circumstances would have been a thousand yard receiver. It wasn't the case. And, uh, yeah, I, I had, uh, Aaron Jones at number 14 on my list, which I definitely uh, undervalued him for sure because he ended up having a way better performance than that. And uh, in regards to where I had Melvin Gordon in, uh, you know, before the season started, I'm looking through my rankings right now, and I had Melvin Gordon at 16. So really had him right in that that uh, that area of where he ended up. And uh, I, I think in the future, you know, he's going to be in that area again. He's going to be a 13 to 16 ranked running back in any offense. And uh, if the Broncos are able to get a little more diverse, I'd start trending more towards that, you know, 13, 14 area. But, uh, you know, can't say it was a bad year for Melvin Gordon. I would have liked to seen the 1,000 yards, but, I mean, he wasn't that far off from that. And, uh, you know, again, with that Bronco offense... Uh, Melvin Gordon was one of the bright spots from there. Number 13, this one kind of came out of nowhere, and it really happened towards the end of the season. It was really looking like he, you know, this person might have been a bust when you drafted him, but then kind of really made up for it. And and then got hurt. Uh, I'm talking about Antonio Gibson for the Washington football team. 170 rushes for 795 yards, 11 touchdowns on the ground, which is huge. And then targeted 44 times, had 36 catches for 247 yards. So Antonio Gibson, obviously, receiving-wise, wasn't that big of a factor because of J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick was like their main receiver out of the backfield. But uh, Gibson looked good on the ground. and I think everyone's going to remember the Thanksgiving Day game against the Cowboys where he just dominated. He was all over the place. Looked like he was just the best guy in the NFL. Um, but that was short-lived. Because again, he, you know, did had a couple more good games, but then really, you know, got hurt, and that was kind of the end of it. But I, I think if you have him for like a keeper league or a dynasty league, Antonio Gibson's gonna have a really good year this year and really uh, kind of shoot himself into you know superstardom. Uh, you know, he was a top fifteen back, ranked thirteenth out of all the running backs, and really had a lot more to give and to, to put on the table. So. You know, could he be a top seven, top five back? I mean, the potential's there. And uh, you watch him run. He's just, he's fun to watch. He's a, a fun guy uh, to watch on Sundays. And he gets the job done. And I, I really expect big things from him coming up next year. Number 12, even though this person was number 12, I'm a little disappointed because we expect him to be a lot higher. We at least expected him to be a top five running back. He wasn't. 
I'm talking about Ezekiel Elliott from the Cowboys. 244 attempts for 979 yards, six touchdowns. He also was targeted 71 times for, you know, 52 catches, 338 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, I think a couple things really affected Ezekiel Elliott. His value is going to be crazy good. I mean, I think people are worried about Tony Pollard because Tony Pollard got into the action later in the year. But, you know, Dak Prescott got hurt like the fourth game of the season, fifth game of the season. And teams were just focused on Ezekiel Elliott and stopping the run. And that worked. It really, you know, you look at what Ezekiel Elliott was able to do with Dak Prescott, he was right in that top five running back range. I mean, he was one of the best running backs. And then as soon as he got hurt, it was just a rapid decline. And he just wasn't the same. So I'm not holding it against Ezekiel Elliott. The Cowboys were kind of a mess. And I think, you know, people will have recency bias where they're going to think about what he did towards the end of the season and, you know, after those five games. And he's going to be uh, uh, undervalued. And so he's going to drop in, in fantasy football drafts. And he's a guy that you can really pick up and, you know, get that number one running back production at a great cost because of that. So moving along to number 11, this is a guy that's kind of the opposite of Ezekiel Elliott. He is Kenyon Drake, the running back from the Cardinals. 239 rushes for 955 yards, had 10 touchdowns on the ground. Wasn't part of the passing game. I, th I thought he would be, but he wasn't. 31 targets for 25 catches, 137 yards. I mean, really nothing there. But uh, he really started off slow, and he looked like he was a major bust early in the season. He, he got a lot of preseason hype and buzz that he was going to be, you know, a surprise pick and, and really produce for the Cardinals. And those first five, six weeks, you were really disappointed in him. And Chase Edmonds, it looked like he was going to take over. And I said it myself on the podcast, you know, look at Chase Edmonds. He's being more productive, and even with less volume, he's doing better. You know, he's the guy to own. And Kenyon, Jake was a, uh, Kenyon Drake was able to uh, pick it up at the end of the season and really look like the number one bag people drafted him to be. So, I mean, he still was just right outside the top ten. So, you know, after watching him early in the season, you wouldn't have even predicted he would have been there. So he definitely had a great rebound, and... His season wasn't as bad when you look at his stats as it seemed during the year, because again, I think it was just a tale of two, a tale of two cities with uh, Kenyon Drake. He was horrible at the beginning and uh, was productive towards the end. Uh, but he's going to be a free agent, and I don't know if he did enough for the Cardinals to re-sign him. You know, they're already talk that uh, Chase Edmonds is they're comfortable with him being the number one back, and if that's the case, you know, or they draft somebody, that could happen too. But uh, you know, it's going to depend on where he goes and what his value is there. And uh, regards to where I had, you know, who I picked in those spots, like I had Josh Jacobs at 13, I had Joe Mixon at 12, and I had Austin Eckler at 11. And I definitely undervalued, uh, I didn't undervalue Joe Mixon because of his injury. He ended up doing worse. Austin Eckler, because of his injury, start, you know, did a lot worse. And Josh Jacobs did a little bit better than where I had him ranked. Um, so, uh, anyways, we'll get to that in a second. Moving on to number 10. And this is a guy I was really high on going into the season. And I'm, I liked where I had him ranked, actually. You know, if he wasn't injured, didn't have that injury, I think he might have been higher than where I had him ranked. It's Nick Chubb for... The Browns, he had 190 rushes for 1,067 yards, 12 touchdowns. 
only had 16 receptions for 150 on 18 targets. But going into the season, you knew the passing volume wasn't going to be there for him. You knew it was going to be Kareem Hunt. And you were basically drafting him off his potential as a runner. And he didn't disappoint. I think outside of maybe Dalvin Cook, he was the best rushing running back. Well, Derrick Henry, too, I guess you can put up there. But, you know, Nick Chubb's definitely that top three between, you know, those are the top three right there. And I want all I can of, I mean, all the shares I can of Nick Chubb. I just think he's a fantastic running back. I really like him. I like where I had him ranked. I think it's right on. Again, if he didn't get injured, he could have actually exceeded that just off of rushing yards. So remember that going into next year, you obviously want the guys that are versatile that you know get the receptions and the rushing yards. But there's some guys that are the exception to the rule, and Nick Chubb is definitely in that uh, in that category because he's just so dynamic and he makes up for all the you know the lack of passing yards with uh, his rushing ability. Uh, moving on, actually, I had at number ten Miles Sanders from the Eagles. He obviously was hurt. And the Eagles' offense was just a disaster to watch throughout the year with the injuries, and so he ended up falling way below that. Uh, I, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not mad about the evaluation. I like the evaluation. I obviously just didn't take into account the injuries and the ineffectiveness of the Eagles' offense in this one. So moving on to number nine in our rankings, I had, well, it was Kareem Hunt of the Browns. 198 yards, uh, 198 attempts for 841 yards rushing, six touchdowns. He was targeted 51 times in the passing game, 38 catches, 304 yards, and five touchdowns. Um, Kareem Hunt, I guess you can say, exceeded expectations for sure. And I mean, I had him all the way in like the 30s. I had him like number 30. So he was used a lot more than what I thought in the rushing game. And Cleveland was just able to run the ball at will and pretty effectively to have both Chubb and Hunt be good options in the backfield. Like you could have had both of those guys and started them every week and done pretty well. I think the big thing that disappointed me about Kareem Hunt was he was great with Nick Chubb, but when it was just him and uh, when Nick Chubb was hurt, you really thought that uh, Kareem Hunt was going to just skyrocket and do amazing. And he kind of regressed. He didn't really do uh, as well as what he did with Nick Chubb. And uh, I thought that was, you know, that was really odd. It was, uh, that that was a time for him to step up. But again, with that passing volume that he gets, the rushing attempts he was able to get, um, he was a great back, and I think he's going to be a good back in the future because I don't think the, the Browns offense is going to be changing. They're really going to focus on the run again because they're so effective at it. And uh, this is a good spot for Kareem Hunt. I mean, he was actually a top five back most of the year till you know, towards the end of the season. And I had Kenyon Drake at number nine. So, I mean, for Kenyon Drake to be 11, and I had him at, at nine, uh, not that bad of an evaluation, uh, you know, with, uh, with that one. Number eight, I had Josh Jacobs, or it was Josh Jacobs for the Las Vegas Raiders. 273 carries for 1,065 yards, 12 touchdowns. He had 33 catches on 45 targets for 238 yards. Didn't get any receiving touchdowns, which I was surprised at. I thought he would get a couple. But uh, touchdowns are, you know, they're they're so unpredictable. But Josh Jacobs had a, a great year, but he had such an amazing first week. That first week he had like three touchdowns, 100 yards. 
you're like, man, Josh Jacobs is the man. Looked like the best running back in football. And then just kind of was a dud for a while. And, you know, end of the season, the stats kind of pan out. And uh, he actually exceeded my expectations in regards to where I ranked him uh, since I had uh, I had him at uh, number 13. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, – there were some lulls in uh, – and his stats that uh, really hurt you in the season. But uh, again, it was a top 10 performance and, and good for Josh Jacobs. And he's basically performed right where he kind of thought he would. So number seven, this one took me way by surprise. You know, I was really critical of him and I stand by it, to be honest. Um, was I wrong? Yeah, because they didn't use him in the way that, uh, you know, for the things he was really bad at. And I had him all the way at number 27. So he ended up being at number seven. So 20 spots better than where I ranked him. But uh, we'll just get into it. It's uh, Jonathan Taylor running back for the Colts. 232 carries for 1,169 yards, 11 touchdowns. Had 36 catches on 39 targets for 299 yards and one receiving touchdown. And this pretty much happened towards the end of the year. He was like in a three-headed monster forever with uh, Naheem Hines and uh, Jordan Wilkins. And on top of that, you know, with my rankings, I expected Marlon Mack to be a big part of that offense still and mitigate some of Jonathan Taylor's volume. Well, Marlon Mack got hurt like the, what, first, second game of the season. And then it was pretty much, uh, you know, that's when you start seeing Wilkins Wilkins and Hines until, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor really took off at the end of the year. And he, that end of the year was just amazing. He was like on the same level as Derrick Henry, which was just out of the blue. You know, I've been ripping on him all year. Like he's not getting it done. He's not being effective. Uh, all the things I saw when I was ranking him, when he got drafted, were kind of showing up. And then out of nowhere, he was just on a different level. He was just a different animal. So, um, he was like from a different dimension. I'm from a different dimension. That was, uh, Jonathan Taylor this year so uh he's a rookie I mean you got to like his odds next year you know uh, Costanzo retired on the offensive line but I think they shore that up they have a lot of cap money to shore up their offense and I think this is just the beginning for Jonathan Taylor he's going to have a, an amazing game or uh, amazing season next year definitely needs to be on your radar for a top five pick at number seven I had Alvin Kamara for the Saints which I was way off on I was worried about the volume with uh, you know, Taysom Hill doing some goal line uh, work and also just with how many weapons the Saints had if Alvin Kamara would, you know, he wasn't getting the volume that you would want. But Alvin Kamara never gets the volume that you want. So we'll talk about that here in a minute too since uh, he really had a great year. Number six, it was David Montgomery from the Bears. 247 rushes for 1,070 yards. Eight touchdowns. He also was targeted 68 times, had 54 catches for 438 yards and two touchdowns. Really great year from David Montgomery. This is the second year leap you like to see. He was like three yards in a cloud of dust his rookie year, and I think you were disappointed and weren't sure which way, especially with that anemic uh, Bears offense, what he was going to do. And he was solid all the way through from front to finish. You can, you know, count on. He had those games where he'd get like 40 yards, but he'd get a touchdown and made him, you know, saved his fantasy value. 
So you're like, how long can that last of him just getting 40 yards and scoring touchdowns? Well, then he started getting 100 yards and then scoring on uh, on 100 yards. So he's right where he needed to be in these rankings. That's where he, uh, I don't know, he was just such a solid contributor this year. He, he was a guy that early on didn't win it for you but didn't lose it for you. And then towards the end, he was a guy that really kind of shone and, uh, you know, exceeded expectations, had some pretty big games. And, uh, you know, we've already talked about it. At uh, number six, I had Nick Chubb. That's where I thought he would be. So uh, David Montgomery is definitely, depending on that quarterback situation in Chicago, you really want to watch that. But uh, you really got to like, you know, David Montgomery uh, next year and, and what he's able to do. Number five, it was uh, Aaron Jones from the Green Bay Packers. 201 attempts for 1,104 yards, nine touchdowns. Also was pretty good in the passing game. 63 targets for 47 catches, 355 yards, and two touchdowns. Awesome job by Aaron Jones. I mean, he did way better than I thought. I was really... I was down on the Packers offense as a whole because I thought they were going to focus on the run, which means I probably should have had Aaron Jones ranked a little bit higher. I just really liked the, uh, I guess, the guys in front of him that I had ranked because I had Aaron Jones all the way at 14. And uh, I guess I was a little bit worried about that A.J. Dillon hype and his you know thighs uh, that everyone was talking about, how he was a monster, and I figured that uh, that would take away some of his carries. It didn't. He had such a great year that he's going to be a hot commodity as a free agent this year. So, you know, you'll see where he ends up. Uh, if he goes to Miami, I mean, that's a great fit for him. If he goes to Atlanta, that's a great fit for him too. So we'll, we'll see where he ends up going. But uh, if he gets in the spot where he's the main bell cow, he's going to have another great season. Uh, you know, Jamal Williams didn't have much uh, volume to, to you know, threaten Aaron Jones and his uh, his production that he had this year and AJ Dillon really wasn't a factor till the end of the year where they started giving him some carries so you gotta like AJ Dillon this year if he is the you know if Aaron Jones does go somewhere else um he's definitely someone to keep on your radar and and draft number oh and number five I had Derrick Henry I thought he'd fall off a little bit he was really basically in the same spot you know he was number three which we'll get to so he wasn't too far off from where I had him ranked. But uh, number four, this one came out of nowhere. And I will be honest, when I did the podcast on the rankings, I didn't even have him in my rankings. Uh, that's how out of the blue he kind of uh, kind of showed up at. It's James Robinson for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, it was kind of, you know, Leonard Fournette was there, I think, when I made... Uh, when I did the podcast before, but even if uh, it was right at the point where Leonard Fournette went to the Buccaneers and they had Raquel Armstead and Chris Thompson. And uh, you were just wondering between those guys, like who was going to be the main back and Armstead had COVID. So he ended up missing the season and was really affected by it uh, apparently. But uh, you know, uh, James Robinson was kind of the one that was under the radar some people took a chance on him and drafted him because there was rumors late that he might be the the running back going forward and he was 240 carries 1070 yards rushing seven touchdowns he was targeted 
60 times, had 49 catches for 344 yards and three touchdowns. So really just all around, I mean, probably the MVP of fantasy football season. You get a guy that was undrafted or really late-round draft pick that gets you top five running back production. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. That's like things that you dream of when you're drafting your team. And uh, it came to fruition with uh, James Robinson. So good job on uh, James Robinson, you know. It's great. It was really fun to watch him play. And there's some matchups where I'm like, oh, you know, he's not going to do well on this. But no, he was really consistent. Uh, the way the Jaguars used him in the running game and passing game, even when, when they were down a lot, James Robinson was effective and able to get points. So that didn't affect his production at all. So good, uh, very good uh, year for James Robinson. And I, I think that, you know, it's going to be like that going forward if, uh, you know, with the Urban Meyer and, the, and that new Jacksonville offense. Number four I predicted was Dalvin Cook, so I wasn't too far off. Dalvin Cook was, you know, we'll get to him in a second, but uh, he didn't fall out too far from where I had him ranked. So, number three was Derrick Henry. Oh, Henry, 378 rushes. 378, that's just outstanding. 2,027 yards rushing. 17 touchdowns. You know, if he was able to get some of the receiving uh, yards that he had in previous years, I think he actually would have been, obviously, the number one back uh, easily. He only was targeted 31 times for 19 catches and 114 yards with zero touchdowns. But, you know, he's like Nick Chubb. He's going to rush for 100 to 200 yards. And there was a stretch where it was like every week, like for two weeks, three weeks straight, where he's like 200 yards rushing. Derrick Henry is a beast. Um, and I'm not worried about him going forward. He was the, he, you know, that offense was built around Derrick Henry and his ability. So even with Arthur Smith going to the Falcons, I don't see that being an issue for his production going forward. I mean, obviously the wear and tear after a while is going to catch up to him, but uh, I can see another couple years of him having this type of production and just being dominant and uh, the, you know, the offense, you know, utilizing him in the same fashion. So Derek Henry, good job. You, uh, yeah, you did a good job. Uh, It was a great season. I had uh, Ezekiel Elliott at number three in our rankings and again, he was headed that way until the Dak Prescott injury kind of derailed uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel's uh, season and uh, production. Number two is Dalvin Cook for the Vikings. 312 rushes for 1,557 yards, 16 touchdowns. He was uh, 44 catches on 54 targets for 361 yards and one receiving touchdown. Dalvin Cook is just, I mean, he was the man. He was one of my favorite running backs to watch. He's another one that, you know, he could rush against a, a really good uh, run defense and still produce, get 100 yards and touchdowns. He had that injury for, you know, a couple games. But outside of that, it, it didn't matter. He was he was the, the best back overall between the rushing and receiving. Because um, he's like the, you know, him, Henry, and Chubb are the, the three best run, running backs rushing-wise. And uh, but he added a little more value on the receiving end than those other guys, and that's why I think he shot up to the number two spot. And I, I had Saquon Barkley, and again he got hurt for the year, so after like the you know the second game of the season, so that's really hard to measure. Uh, you know you, you don't predict injuries, so I, I feel good about having Saquon Barkley there. I, I think he can get back to that level next year, 
and uh, I think he's doing a great job with his recovery. So Saquon Barkley should be right up on your draft boards for next year. And then number one, I had Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, we know how that ended up uh, with the injuries and things. But the real number one running back of the year was Alvin Kamara, New Orleans Saints running back. And it wasn't necessarily his rushing yards. He only rushed the ball 187 times for 932 yards, 16 touchdowns. And, you know, six of those came that uh, last game or the 15th, what, 16th week of the season uh, where against the Vikings where he just was dominating. Really, you know, if, if you were in the championship with Alvin Kamara, you won the championship because you know, he just carried your team. It was the most dominating championship performance that I've I've seen in some time. But uh, his receiving was what really set him apart because there's games where he didn't rush for very many yards, where he'd have like 19 yards, 24 yards rushing, but he'd have well over 100 yards receiving. He was targeted 107 times, had 83 catches for 756 yards and five touchdowns. So Alvin Kamara is just a beast. I love to watch him run. Even with limited opportunity, it doesn't matter because he just makes the most of it. You know, you've seen that the screen pass against the Buccaneers early in the season where it's just his balance, you know, bouncing off guys, guys are hitting him, he's bouncing off, and he's able to score. He's just such an electric player. And he's one of those guys that, you know, isn't the main back, you know. He's not their first preference when they're trying to rush the ball. But, again, they use him in the – you know, their offense is so creative, they use him in really good situations to the best of his abilities, and he dominates. He's he's really fun to watch, so I, I'm i all about Alvin Kamara. He's a guy that's going to be drafted high. Now, obviously, I think he has a little fall uh, from the production that he had this year, and it's just so hard to predict because you kind of do your uh, predictions and stats based off of volume, and Alvin Kamara doesn't necessarily get as much. He's just so good at taking advantage of it that uh, he makes him a hard read on what kind of season he's going to have. But, uh, yeah, he had the best year of all the running backs. Really fun to watch him play, and congratulations to Alvin Kamara. And it was disappointing to see the you know the Saints get ousted in the playoffs by the Buccaneers, but, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what this offense looks like if Drew Brees comes back or if he doesn't, and uh, what that means for this offense going forward. And that will uh, do it for our review of the running backs, and we'll get, uh, you know, next week we'll start off at the on the wide receivers. We did it. We made it to the end of the show. It's over. And I'd like to think that uh, you made it to the end of the show with me. So find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, all the major podcast apps. We're there. Find us, like us, rate us, review us. All of it goes a long way towards building up the show, and we appreciate all of it. You're listening to the Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Show. Next week, we'll get right back at it with the wide receiver review. See how they stacked up in 2020. So for Burke... This is Ms. Louise Montalban, and we will see you next week. Cheers.